2: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin.
1: Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, November 24th edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Um, Derek Van Riper is with me today. We are just, folks, just so you know, we are recording this about 11 a.m. Eastern on Friday. Normally, we do late afternoon cover all the injury reports and all that. We're giving ourselves a little bit of a holiday allowance here. Um, try to, you know, do the, the holiday stuff that we hope you're all doing. Um, Derek, did you, how much did you watch yesterday?
2: I saw in total, maybe one full game. And before people get mad and, and tweet at me and, and tell me I'm a jerk for hosting <laughs> a football podcast, I, I, I get to do two Thanksgivings. Uh, both of them are like an hour and a half away from where I live. So driving cut out a good chunk of my day. Yeah. And it sounds like I didn't miss a lot. I mean, like the second half of Lions Vikings was good. Uh, Most of Dallas – I keep want to say San Diego, but it's not. Most of the Cowboys-Chargers game was pretty bad. And then, of course, uh, the nightcap wasn't great either. But I got to see the end of that once I got home. So it was a a better day for food than for football, both in terms of of quality and volume. And uh, I think I'm better off for that.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. Here's what we got. I watched – I watched a lot. Uh, first game, yeah, you're right. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, and then the Lions made it interesting. The Lions um, – stop me if you've heard this before. The Lions couldn't run very well. Um, Latavius looked – the thing is Latavius' numbers were good. He had one big run. And other than that, I felt like he ran for about a yard and a half every time he got the ball. So
2: Yeah, so that, that kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. The Lions did a pretty good job against Jarek McKinnon, too, under two yards per carry. So I kind of look at this as – One of those games where the box score doesn't tell you the whole story about how the defense actually played. Uh, But you're right about the Lions. They just – they can't run the ball. We didn't really expect them to have a lot of success in this matchup. Minnesota's one of those teams, John. I mean they're good against the pass. They're good against the run. They just don't have a glaring weakness right now. Mm -hmm. And as long as Case Keenum doesn't start turning the ball over, they're kind of like the co-favorites with the Eagles I think in the NFC.
1: Yeah, they they are – they're very good because I kind of thought that was – Yesterday was a spot that the Lions would step up and, you know, the, look, I, I always try to look at the whole, all right, the Vikings are 8-2. Well, they're going to lose another couple. Where is it going to be? And yesterday, you know, division rival on the road seemed like a spot and they just took care of business, you know. And um, the one guy in the Lions that actually really impressed me was Marvin Jones because yesterday – Marvin Jones has been very good lately. But yesterday was a spot for him where you said, oh, well, he's going to get shadowed by a really good corner. Um. This. This. You know. They probably keep him in check, and he was just great. And the one. The. The. I don't know if it was the first or second touchdown. It was double coverage, and I mean, when Stafford threw the ball, I'm looking, and I, you see it, and you're going, he threw directly into double coverage. What on earth is he doing? And Jones just went up and took it from the other two guys <laughs> on a dead yeah. run, and went into the end. It was great. He was Mar- Marvin Jones is. I think is officially matchup proof. Not that many of you are probably saying, duh. But he is just he, he has really stepped it up lately. And yesterday was a that was a huge game considering the opposition.
2: Yeah, kind of a, a matchup proof like wide receiver two or maybe a wide receiver three in a smaller league. But a guy that you really generally don't want to take out of your lineup
1: at this point. Uh,
2: but you look at the the way the Lions are built, it makes sense. I mean, with their inability to run, they are a pass first ball control sort of offense. So there's plenty of volume to go around 17 combined targets for Jones and Tate, even though Tate was a a very disappointing player in this particular matchup. Uh, And thinking about the NFC picture, I guess the saints would be the other team right there in the mix. I think a lot of people would prefer the saints to the Vikings and the Eagles probably because of drew Brees. I mean, you you take a look at the three quarterbacks those teams have because of breezes experience. That probably makes people more confident in the saints and the way their defense has played has made us look at them as a team that can at least get some stops at the very least. And I think they could be even better than that based on what we've seen at times uh, from Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, but closing the book on this game, Case Keenum, you know, what, what's his future? Like down the stretch, is he a guy that you're playing almost every week? Like if you were a DAC owner and you picked up Case Keenum in the last couple of weeks, are you starting to play Keenum over Dak based on what you're seeing from those guys?
1: Yes. Yes. That's just, a, that's just an unequivocal yes. Actually, that's without me looking at the schedules. But uh, Cowboys are home to the Redskins next week. Um, where is, okay, hold on. Now we're going to look where the Vikings are. I don't have it committed to memory. My apologies, My apologies everyone. Um, oh, great. The sights are not coming up. Anyway, yes, I am generally leaning to play Case Keenan because he's okay. playing very well.
2: My uh, my web version of the internet is working, so hooray for the web being what it is today. Hopefully it stays that way. Uh, but yeah, 280 or more in four consecutive games now for Keenum. Uh, how about a total of, is that nine TD passes during that span against three picks? He's been excellent. Down the stretch, he goes at Atlanta, at Carolina, home against the Bengals, on the road against Green Bay in championship week. Oof. That's good. That's going to be a beatdown. Like I, I, well, Rogers could be back, I guess, by then. But even still, like Green Bay's defense is very soft. So, yeah, the next four games are more good than bad. I mean, Atlanta's pass rush could give some teams fits. I think the Vikings offensive line has played pretty well this year, too. It's part of the reason why they run it as well as they do. And it's part of the reason why Case Keenum's had some time to throw and, and make some big plays. So maybe the at-Carolina is the one game where you would want to sit them. But with Atlanta and Green Bay having some shootout potential if Rodgers is back or just blow potential for Keenum going on and then Cincinnati not being that good, three of the next four are very playable.
1: All right. Um, and also the one quick thing from that game, Kyle Rudolph, fantasy hero, four for 63 and two touchdowns. Let's go to the Cowboys. I feel like you mentioned Dak. I felt like the, cor- the chorus yesterday grew so much louder on the- from the people saying basically – Dak is being exposed right now, as a and 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 the, and the being exposed as blank has a different answer for people. Some saying, some people saying he's just not that good. Others are saying, well, he's a complimentary player, not a star, which is what people seem to think last year. What 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 is Dak?
2: I think Dak is a second-year quarterback on a team that doesn't have good receivers. Has one formerly great receiver who's now merely good, who gets a lot of extra attention. He has an old tight end. He has an offensive line that is good but not elite anymore. Uh, everything around him has taken a step back since last year. And I think when your supporting cast pretty much across the board gets downgraded like that, you're going to see some negative fallout from that. So, yeah, the turnovers are up, and that's a big concern. He's, he's already thrown nine picks in 11 games, only four last year as a rookie. Part of that is being in some situations where he's had to force it a little bit. And ultimately – I think Dak is the kind of player you're still happy to have if you're the Cowboys. Like compared to the teams that need to figure out who their quarterback's going to be next year and beyond, Dallas is still in really good shape. So I'm looking at the way things line up. I mean, yeah, the the, the, the matchup yesterday was was also pretty tough, and he's he's let us down in these last three games in particular because he does not have a TD pass in his last three games. And he's been under 200 yards through the air. Uh, A couple of those spots, of course, being ones where you expect them to have to throw it a lot without Zeke. But looking at the Cowboys, they played a ton in the span of 11 days. Three games, right? Because they they played Atlanta, Philly, uh, and then yesterday. And the way that timed out, Sunday, Sunday, Thursday, that's a heavy, heavy workload for a team that, frankly, without Zeke and without Tyron Smith, Previously, like they've had some major problems yep. So for them to come back on short rest. That was not a good setup for Dak or for
1: anybody on the field for Dallas yesterday. Agreed. Um, and one thing I want to add about Dak, uh, he, he we 15 is at Oakland. If there was ever a get right spot, depending on how he does between now and then, that might be it. Um, week 16, they're home for Seattle. And that's when Zeke's back. And I think the thing I want to point out about him is people are now right now. Very down on Dak. And I think this will carry into next year for fantasy people, because we are going to remember the second half of the season where Dak seems to be headed toward a, a multi-week stretch of disappointment, probably beyond this these last three. However, if your argument is without Zeke, he's being exposed, next year, when you go into draft season, he's gonna have Zeke, right? Just don't forget that. Don't don't sit there and say, well, Zach, Dak needs Deek and Zeke and worry about that because he's going to have him back. And that's a big factor. And Dak with Zeke has been absolutely fine for you in, from a fantasy standpoint.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the, the other thing that's going to be a big factor for how we value him next year is what do they do in the draft? What do they do in free agency to address that group of pass catchers? Dez is not Dez anymore. Maybe he's a, a, a number one that if you had a Marvin Jones-type player on the other side, it'd be 1A, 1B, and that'd be okay. But I think he sees so much attention, and he's lost a step with that and, and with Dak running for his life a lot in these last few weeks. We've just seen this team get exposed. Jason Garrett as, as a head coach, I mean, not great. Like that, That's been kind of my main takeaway with him for a long time. And I think what they had going last year, With a great offensive line, with an elite run game, that that was one of those things that just made Jason Garrett look a lot better than he really is. And sometimes when we we see teams suffer a bunch of injuries, that's when weaker coaches get exposed. Garrett's not the only one. Mike McCarthy, who we've talked about a lot, (laughs) is looking terrible right now in Green Bay. So I wouldn't put all of this on Dak. I think there are a lot of things out of his control that have, have been pretty rough for him. Uh, that matchup a couple weeks ago when Adrian Claiborne was just destroying Chaz Green, I mean, that that's not his fault. Like, that's that's terrible. And the schedule again, I think we're maybe overlooking the wear and tear on a team playing three games in the span of like 11 days.
1: Right. I, I think that's fair. Um, Keenan Allen, 23 receptions in his last two games, 20 in the last two, 23 for 331 and three touchdowns on 27 targets. I think he's back, right? You were disappointed two weeks ago if you owned Keenan Allen, and I think we're good. We're, we're, we're all set. Yeah,
2: he's back, and it looks <laughs> like Hunter Henry's role stabilizing. We saw Tyrell Williams score yesterday. Uh, interesting thing, too, Mike Williams got hurt in this game. He was starting to tick up and do a larger role, so they've got good depth. I mean, the Chargers are, are kind of holding their own as that team that's going to rally back from a couple games below 500 and possibly make a push into the postseason. It's a talented group. They've got a shutdown corner in Casey Hayward. They've got a good pass rush. They're a little soft against the run, uh, but ultimately this is a team that's pretty well balanced. The only thing I really am worried about is is still Melvin Gordon as uh, a running back that's not overall that efficient this season. that has been kind of a story for him throughout his career, but more of a concern for me now because I think the Chargers offensive line is better than it's been in past years. You know, I think in his rookie year and his second year, you could look at that line. They had a lot of injuries. You could see it as a case where things just hadn't been going well for the blocking unit in front of him. So you could give Gordon a bit of a pass. It's becoming a little harder to do that. I guess the other thing I'm a little concerned about, and it's weird to say coming off a monster day from Phillip Rivers, it still looks pretty ugly when Philip Rivers is, is back there shot, putting the ball down. Field. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it worked yesterday against Dallas. I just wonder against top tier defenses, if they were to make the playoffs, if they would play in the AFC Championship game against one of the better defenses in the AFC. Can Philip Rivers still
1: break down an elite secondary? Uh, I mean, doesn't it always? Is, it's not just a look thing because it's always looked bad, right? Yeah, it's always, it's, it's
2: always, it's always looked bad. But it, he used to get more distance when yeah. he shot, put the ball downfield, and it used to have a little more zip on it. It just give him credit because he's had a couple of huge games these last two weeks, especially. Um, you know, two TDs against Buffalo, two fifty-one in that game, and uh, he's been kind of getting right, but he's, he owns Dallas for some reason too. I'm not sure what exactly is is the story behind that, but I just I look at him as the guy that could be the Achilles' heel on this team. I think they're pretty well built otherwise, and, and it could certainly be worse. Again, like I, I just think that's the thing that we have to look at. Is Philip Rivers at this stage of his career? He's 35 years old, turns 36 in December he's not aging quite as well as some of the other top tier quarterbacks we've had from that same group.
1: Yeah. Um, one other line from that game, I think it was Scott Pianowski on Twitter said talking about Dez saying, you know, he's saying he's the only player in the league wearing his age on his jersey. Oof. That's a shot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that, that's a shot. I mean, Dez, I, I get the thing about Dez. We, we know this by now. I mean, he he absorbs a lot of contact. You wonder, you wonder if when he's not playing well, if, there's something wrong with like his foot or his leg because if he's not getting that burst, he's not getting that separation. That could be a physical issue. And now you look at his numbers this year, they've really never been worse from an efficiency standpoint. I guess 2015 when he was hurt 5.6 yards per target happened then. Uh, but the big plays are, are pretty much gone. Just four catches at 20 or more yards so far this year. And the catch rate remains very low. 102 targets, only 53 receptions this year.
1: Yep, Not good. All right, the night game. Oof. Uh I think Ellis wrote the recap of the Thursday games this morning and said the the Giants game was, let me get the exact quote, was one of the most unwatchable of all time. And I got to tell you, I I sort of agree. It was bad, and not just because of my Giants bias. It was just it was a terrible football game. It was yeah. so awful.
2: I wasn't in love with it when I got home and, and got to watch the end of it. And it was just one of those things where <sighs> nothing the Giants do is interesting right now. And I think for all the crap Odell Beckham takes for, you know, hitting field goal nets on the sideline and having a haircut that some people don't like, how much do we all miss Odell Beckham right now? I mean, like, I, I don't care about the field goal net or the haircut at all, but even the people that don't like Beckham have to be looking at themselves right now and going, this team was way better with Odell Beckham on it, than it oh. is without him, and Eli Manning is just awful. Like he's so bad right now. I said it before the the San Francisco game a few weeks ago. That that might be the last good game Eli Manning ever has. You
1: did say I, that, yep.
2: I'm convinced that he's just done. And at two and nine, I mean, it, it, throw throw Davis Webb out there for five games, see what happens, and then prove prove to your Davis Webb truthers that he's not the guy, and then move on. But frankly, it's not even a fair shot if Webb gets that. Like if you give Davis Webb five starts with this supported cast, that doesn't really tell you much of anything.
1: Yesterday we had this – I was having this discussion with my dad and he was pro-Webb saying "You know, there's no reason not to. And my argument was basically, well, I mean you might be right, but I think the Giants – I mean the, the whole argument is you know, we don't know what we have until we let the guy play. And I'm saying, well, we don't know. The Giants might know. That doesn't mean, you know, because we haven't seen him doesn't mean they haven't. And maybe they might be looking at him in practice and saying, well, this guy's just not ready. But if they think he might be, and I understand, you know, the idea would be, you know, he could go in and pull a Nathan Peterman. Like, you don't know. But after last night, it's almost like last night won me be over because I watched Eli and I went, you're right. The supporting cast is terrible and the offensive line is bad. But Eli, Eli, he's just not good. No, and he's, he's, he's He's done. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's I, I hate watching it. But um, the other stuff, Pirine looked good in the second half. The, the skins just dominated the second half. And and they only the game was only in danger because of a lucky tip pick six that the Giants got. But in the second half, this the Redskins just destroyed them. And Pirine, he's a, as, I think that he's a load. I mean, he, he's he's not a great runner. But he runs hard, you know, and it's not easy to bring him down. And he was just picking up, you know, nice chunks of yardage. I I liked what I saw last night.
2: Yeah, so P Ryan looks like one of those backs that he he may not have an eight or ten year NFL career, but he might have four or five years where he's pretty fantasy relevant. Looks like they have a guy that can be their lead back. He can take on the heavy workload. Uh, I was pretty impressed by what I saw as well. He catches some passes like that's something that, you know, we weren't really sure he would do. When Chris Thompson was healthy, but with Byron Marshall you know, being a practice squad player earlier this year and a guy that's bounced around from running back to receiver and hasn't really played much, it makes sense that P. Ryan would get some chances to contribute in that facet. So he looks like one of those guys that was a good pickup. If you took that chance on him uh, when Rob Kelly went down or you had him just stashed away before that, you're going to be happy with what you get down the stretch. And the question I have pertaining to the Redskins is you know, how good – can they be with Jamison Crowder as their number one receiver? Like can Doxson take advantage of matchups on the outside? Can someone else step up to compliment him? Because Vernon Davis just vanished from this game. I, I don't know if there's ever any reason
1: reported for he, that. He was, he was sharing time with Niles Paul, which was weird. I mean, unexpected. I don't know about weird. Maybe they know, you know, better Redskins fans know better than I do, but that was I, basically that's what threw everything. I was watching going, why is 84 still on the field so much? Like I thought we were good with Vernon Davis getting most of those.
2: Well, yeah, Niles Paul is one of those guys that is like a workout warrior and has a, a good reputation with the coaches, and gets a parking space close to the door because he's he's just he's that guy. Like they, they like him. So I, why why they didn't want to have Vernon Davis more involved against the Giants team? It's been atrocious against tight ends. I, I don't know. Uh, Doxson kind of salvage would have been a quiet day with that late TD, and. Crowder has in these last three or four weeks just bounced back to the point where if you were disappointed and you kind of wrote it out, maybe just benched him instead of cut him in like a 10 or a 12 team league. You are really happy with that decision because he has become a target monster.
1: Um, Crowder last four games, 42 targets, 27 catches, 412 yards. I would say do not ask us anymore if you should start Jameson Crowder because the answer is yes.
2: That is that is totally crazy, and I I played Dez over him, thinking that that was a logical thing to do in uh, one of my more shallow leagues, and that is a huge huge mistake on my part. Probably something I won't do again all season.
1: All right, that's it for Thursday, everybody. Uh, check us out on Twitter, Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Jay thirty seven. You can also reach out at RotoWire or reach out on Facebook. And if you want to player updates, our newsfeed at RotoWire NFL on Twitter. All right, we're going to go through. Different from usual Fridays, instead of uh, sort of all over the place, not all over the place, but you know, questions about um, different games, but not every game. We're going to go through the rest of the Sunday, the rest of the uh, week 12 slate. First up's Bucks Falcons. Uh, Devontae Freeman is, as of Thursday, he was still in the concussion protocol. We don't know what that means for Sunday just yet. If Devontae Freeman does not play, This would seem to be a better spot for Tevin Coleman than last week was.
2: Yeah, Tampa's one of those teams that's pretty soft. I mean, if Freeman plays, he's cheap on the DFS sites. And if they clear him, I would assume they would at least give him half the carries. So both could be in play if Freeman gets cleared. If not, Coleman becomes kind of a a must-use in cash and uh, one of those GPP guys that got to make the tough uh, player fade call on. Easily a top 12 running back if Freeman doesn't play in this matchup. Any concern for you that Atlanta, coming off a pretty big emotional win in Seattle on a Monday, no less, long trip back home, could they have a letdown in this spot against Tampa Bay?
1: Yes, and, and I think – who pointed out on Twitter? Joe Thomas, who's actually become an interesting Twitter follow now that he's been hurt and has time on his hands. Um, he said that the, the Falcons – he said his friends on the Falcons told him that they got home at 8.30 a.m. on Tuesday. And that's, you know, basically that's when your week starts, right? Usually you practice a little bit. You do, you do stuff on Monday, meetings, practice, you're off Tuesday, your week starts on Wednesday. Well, they were back 8.30 on Tuesday. Literally, you know, that's when they're getting home into their beds. So, yeah. yes, there could absolutely be a letdown in this spot. And yeah. the Bucks, I know their opponents the last two weeks haven't been very good, but they've won two in a row. Maybe they're perking up a little bit. And, and, and strangely, as uh, I think Mario pointed out in his film room this week, Ryan Fitzpatrick might be better than James Winston right now is what he wrote. And I read it and I went, what? And he might be right.
2: He might be. And, and that's maybe more praise on Fitzpatrick than a pure knock on, on Jameis as a player. I mean, Jameis had at least started to cut out some of the turnovers this year before he got hurt, which to me was somewhat encouraging. Uh, but as Joe Thomas goes, as a Twitter follow, I'm going to have to check it out. I mean, He's a, he's a badger like me. and uh, his, his bio just says first offensive lineman in NFL history. I don't know. Is it first offensive lineman? Like, is, is he making a joke in there? I don't know. And then last tweet from yesterday, he got a shot of a turkey. Looks like a very well-cooked turkey. And he just captioned it with, save the neck for me, Clark.
1: <laughs> did Did you see? He also he took a shot of Troy Aikman yesterday, too.
2: That's awesome. Because, Be- I mean, Aikman, we know Aikman suffered a lot of concussions in his career. So, in, in some ways, it's kind of sad. Like having him try to analyze a game that he played almost what, 20 years ago now, he's probably a little bit overmatched. Like now that Phil Sims has moved into the pregame show slot, Aikman's probably going to be the guy that we pick at the most as far as your, your NFL color commentators. Plus, by comparison, Tony Romo makes a lot of those guys look terrible. So the worst guy will naturally look worse than ever because there's a guy getting. Uh, you know, a primetime game every week who's thriving in that role.
1: Yeah, but eventually, you know, we'll all make fun of Romo, too. You know, people well, yeah, get like bored. Like Ten
2: years from now, we'll get sick of Romo, if
1: not sooner. Um, but the, the thing about Troy Aikman, what Aikman said was he, he Troy, Dwight Freeney played for the Seahawks Monday, got released, and then the Lions signed him. And Aikman said he was surprised that Freeney didn't play yesterday. But Freeney played Monday night for the Seahawks And would have had a Thursday early, early afternoon game for the Lions. Joe Thomas said only a quarterback could be so out of touch with what Lyman's bodies go through during an NFL game. Dwight Freeney's lucky, lucky to be able to get out of bed this morning.
2: Right. And again, like I I just not even to be a jerk. I just like imagine like Aikman suffered concussions, was diagnosed with concussions at a point when people were suffering them. But we didn't really know what they were. So how many like head injuries that Troy Aikman really have. Like I just, if we're wondering why his reasoning isn't very good, unfortunately that might be a big part of it. And it's a good point. I mean, a, a month Monday night game, then play Thursday. It's impossible. Physically. Right. Like, there's, it would have been reckless to do it. So yes, I mean, good for good for Freedy not to have to play uh, with just two days off in between games. It would have been completely insane.
1: All right. Uh, Browns Bengals. I was going to ask you if this is the Joe Mixon game, but the Browns against the run, as we've pointed out numerous times, are not so bad still.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, not all the game script should be good, though, because the Bengals are favored by eight. I would imagine if you look back through this season, they haven't been favored by eight very often. So volume should be there. All it takes is that one carry. You make one guy miss, someone else falls down, you get the long run, you score. Uh, so I do like Mixon a decent amount this week. I mean, I think if you got him in season long, you're throwing him out there as your firm RB2 or no worse than your flex. How much do you like Andy Dalton, though? The over-under is only 38. I mean, the weather in Cincinnati, by comparison to Cleveland, shouldn't be as bad. Further south, not on a lake, all those things are are generally good. But do you trust Andy Dalton as a tournament-caliber dfs play or as a hey i'm just gonna mix and match this week because i don't like my matchup for
1: my usual starter i have him as my number 15 quarterback so take that however you want i i think that this is one of those well this game's in yeah i don't know i I think he'll be okay i mean tournament yeah sure fine generally i don't love him i feel like some people kind of do this week and i don't and no one's ever
2: that excited to play andy dalton but um I might. I might do it in one of my contests. I've got one on Yahoo, but the only thing about that is and if you're playing in a small contest, which my Yahoo one is, what's the payoff? Like it, it, It's almost like a cash game. It's like a 14-person contest, right? So that, I just treat that almost like a 50-50. Dalton's more like a GPP quarterback. He's the kind of guy that if he does have that game where he throws for three, runs for one, and gets you like 270, you know that's a great day for him, and it opens up that extra cash you need to get. Excess value elsewhere, so it's probably GPP only and, and less appealing in cash because the floor is okay and, and the ceiling is you know randomly high if he clicks, and you never want to rely on that.
1: Okay. Um, uh, the other real quick thing, going back to Mixon, Fournette did get 100 yards last week, but he was 28 for 111, so it was a it was a it was a hard fought 111 yards. Let's put it that way. Um, Brown side. Are you, are you, if, if you own, do you own Corey Coleman anywhere?
2: I don't have any Corey Coleman. No, I'm kind of looking at it and I'm a little bummed out about that because the volume was so good last week, Uh, but he's going to get top attention every single week. So I think while the volume should be there target wise, what he does week to week could fluctuate quite a bit for a player with that volume. I mean, he's their best receiver by far. So it makes sense. He should be force-fed. He should get a lot of red zone targets. All of that should be there. I mean, percentage-wise, he should get a lot of red zone targets. The Browns will spend that much time in the red zone. So you look at Coleman. He's probably a top 25 receiver for me here on out. And if he were on a a better team with a better quarterback, he has the talent to be a top 10, top 12 player at the
1: position. I think he can be that good. All right. I have him in a flex spot in a league, but he's only playing over Corey Clement and Gore. So, and it's PPR. So, um, yeah, I, I I wonder if this, if this makes Kaiser not as horrendous, if that's a compliment.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it probably helps experience will help Kaiser too. I mean, he, he took over on a bad team to start the year and got the opportunity from day one, but, that wasn't a team that was only a competent quarterback away from figuring it out. You know, there's a lot of other moving parts that still need to get better in Cleveland for them to uh, start taking a step forward to Sean Kaiser.
1: OK, next up, Titans, Colts. Um, you always you, your gut is to pick on the Colts. But we talk about it every week about how, you know, we look at the Titans and kind of go Me. Um DeMarco Murray, the Murray Henry thing. Henry's production has been good, but workload-wise, it's still – the workload still says Murray's the guy, that he's the lead dog and Henry's the second fiddle. Is that how you look at it this week in thinking about playing both those guys?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's easier to think about Henry in like a 14-team league with a flex. But in like 12, no flex, I don't think he makes the cut unless you've got a couple injuries at running back. I played – I played Marcus Mariota over Case Keenum in one of my two quarterback leagues this week. So that's that's going to be a sweat now based on how well Keenum played against the Lions. I think with Mariota, the encouraging thing we've seen more recently, you know, he's finally running again. After that hamstring injury, there were a few games where he didn't do much on the ground. At least that phase has come back. Had the rushing score against Pittsburgh. Had 51 yards two weeks ago against the Bengals. Uh, but the overall concern with Mariota, the turnovers, you know, they've they've been there. Four picks against the Steelers, uh, currently sitting with an 8-10 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. I, just, I don't know how he's that bad. Like, they improved the pass catchers. So Mariota, to this point, has been one of the bigger puzzles for me. And again, maybe it comes down to the coaching. Maybe it's a Mike Malarkey problem. But with better personnel, Marcus Mariota is getting – Actually, like worse results than he did in his first two seasons. That's a
1: surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is. Well, two weeks ago, he ran a little more. Hopefully, maybe that'll help him. Uh, back to Murray real quick. Last five games, average yards per carry 3.3, 3.3, 2.1, 3.0, 1.3. Little concerning, a lot concerning. He's, he's only been over 60 yards once all year on the ground.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a game where he probably gets over there, but you look at the rest of the schedule, Houston, Arizona, there's a San Francisco in there in week 15, Rams week 16. If you keep sharing carries, especially, this could be the last time. Yeah. I think he's in the end zone this week. Could be a a decent game for Murray, even from a DFS perspective. And season long, one of the handful of times you might feel okay about starting him down the stretch.
1: All right, Bills Chiefs, uh, Tyrod starting for the Bills. Thank goodness. Is this the game where if you've if you've owned some chiefs and you've been kind of, you know, bummed out the last four games or so with, you know, Kareem Hunt not get I mean, you know, you, you were spoiled with Kareem Hunt early, first of all. So you shouldn't have been expecting that. But is this sort of the get right game where they just blow the bills out and Kareem Hunt gets two touchdowns and 120 from scrimmage and Alex Smith does great again and Tyreek scores and Kelsey scores and all that?
2: I would like to see Kareem Hunt do that, even though I don't even have him anywhere like I I got shut out on Kareem Hunt this year which is looking okay now it didn't look so good at the beginning of the year Uh, I think with the problem I have with Buffalo like I never know what team's going to show up like being on the road at Arrowhead it seems like there's some more fold potential there their run defense isn't nearly as scary since they traded Marcel Darius to the Jags several weeks back so it all makes sense and I think with the Chiefs getting hunt established would go a very long way to take some of the pressure off of Alex Smith. Part of the problem too, is just the design, the play calls that have been as good. It seems like these last few weeks too. So they need to figure it out. I, I think this is a get right spot. Vegas is, is kind of an interesting uh, way to look at it too. I mean, the chiefs are favored by nine and a half and the over/unders 46 and a half. So they're still buying in on the chiefs as capable of at least Doing well at home against the Buffalo defense, it's been pretty inconsistent.
1: Yeah, and everybody – back to Cream Hunt. In 10 games, he's over 1,200 yards from scrimmage and has six touchdowns. So if you're unhappy and complaining, please shut up. No one wants to hear from you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean the Bills are giving up 117.7 per game on the ground, eight rushing scores this year. So they're kind of like league average in terms of yards per carry. They have allowed – uh, maybe a tick worse than league average in terms of total yardage per game. But really, it's not a bad spot for Kareem Hunt at all. Uh, what do you do with Tyrod this week? I mean, if if you got a bad quarterback situation, he's probably been cut in most leagues with Peterman taking the job last week. Maybe he's been scooped up again at the time since. But do you feel as though Tyrod Taylor is going to come out and play well against Kansas City? Because the Chiefs defense has been generous all season long. They've been soft against the run. They've been soft against the pass. Is it a a Taylor McCoy stack opportunity?
1: I think it's a a, I I think this is a game where that's that Tyrod's Tyrod's value would, if anything, will be in garbage time. I think this is a 37 to 13 kind of game.
2: Well, then they're probably going back to Peterman in a week or two. Perhaps that's if they the thing about the the decision, it was a bad decision when they made it. We, We criticized it. Peterman played worse than anybody would have expected, putting them in this awkward situation where it's like, I think we have to go back to the other guy because we're not so bad record wise and we can punt on the season yet. And I have to wonder, was that ownership driven? Was that coach driven? Like, I, I don't know enough about the ins and outs of the Bills right now to know if that was, you know, McDermott or if that came from the front office. But will will the whole team be fired up? Will they be rallying around Tyrod? I, that's going to be. One of the great things to keep an eye on this week.
1: Right. Uh, agreed. Um, all right. Dolphins-Pats. Spread here is 16. I, I can't give 16 points in an NFL game. I don't think. Mm, I can
2: because the Dolphins are stupid. Like they, They're just one of those teams that they make very little sense to me right now. I thought Adam Gaze would be a, a good head coach. And, and maybe someday he will be. Maybe he's one of those guys that needs to – you know, fail once, be a coordinator again, and try again with a little better personnel, and he'll get better results. But I think New England just looks like a, a dominant force right now. That barring an injury to Tom Brady, they should roll. I mean, in the AFC through the playoffs, like, do you see? Do you see a team that's actually built to slow them down? Like, who, who do you think is the biggest threat to the Patriots right now in the AFC?
1: Come on, who's my Tro? Who's our trendy team? Come on, Chargers, the Jags! Oh, the Jags? Come get out of here with the Jags. (laughs) Can you win with only one side of, I don't know, run, rush the passer? I don't know. I I think their
2: defense is legit. I just, I don't see Blake Bortles beating New England in the playoffs. I
1: just don't see that happening. You don't, okay. Okay. I think you're probably right. It makes sense, but I don't know. I like the, I think the Jags defense can, can slow down anybody is where I am. So now, will they score enough points? That's a whole other story. Um, Hogan probably still out again. Uh, Jay Cutler limited on Thursday concussion protocol. We don't know his situation. If, and I think they've said, I think Gase said that he doesn't necessarily need to practice. If more plays instead of um, Cutler, does it make you more interested in Kenny Stills?
2: It shouldn't, but it does, just because of how how Stills was used last week. Uh, but man, you talk about Kenny Stills; he's one of those players that he goes off for these huge games from time to time, and somehow the target volume dips. Like it, it's it's been better over the last five games. He's got an eight, eight, four, ten, and nine. Why did that four happen? Like, <laughs> that, like he's so explosive; he's so good downfield. And sometimes he falls out of the game plan. He's 5,600 on FanDuel. So I think regardless who starts at quarterback, he's at least a GPP consideration. Season-long, man, he's one of those tough calls. Like if you've got kind of a revolving door at the third receiver spot, it's hard to put a guy on the bench when he has been getting eight-plus targets in four of his last five. And he's just coming off a monster game.
1: All right. Um, otherwise, let's see. We talked about Hogan. We talked about eh, – I don't want to This is just – this game could be ugly. Um, Panthers-Jets. We've probably got no forte again uh, for the Jets, which means Powell and Elijah McGuire. Um, Panthers get Greg Olson back. Week one return after being on injured reserve. If you own Greg Olson, are you firing him up? Are you kind of going, maybe? What else is out there? Really tough call
2: because... I think if he's playing, they're going to probably just use him the way they normally would. And 1A, 1B with Funches seems like the way that's going to work out as far as the, the hierarchy for targets goes. What am I looking at for alternatives? Do I have Jack Doyle? Do I have uh, OJ Howard? Like, What's the what's the toss-up you think a lot of Greg owners might be looking at?
1: Safarian Jenkins.
2: <sighs> Safarian Jenkins... I think I'd play Olsen
1: over Ferry Jenkins. Me too. Um, Tyler Croft against the Browns. I'd play Olsen over Croft. Me too. Even though the matchup is good. I don't know. Yeah, Jack is the, on- Jack's the only one who you might be able to find available that would be... I'd play Jack Doyle over Olsen.
2: Or, or he's the kind of guy that you may have picked up because he was available when Olsen got hurt. So then you've just got this weirdly tough call to make. Uh, Jared Cook... Going up against Denver, I mean, would you, would you play Olsen in that spot?
1: No, I'd play Jared Cook.
2: Okay. Uh, Steelers tight ends, no. No. Saints tight ends, no. Yeah, I mean, in, in a lot of situations, I think you probably would roll Greg Olsen back out there if he gets the uh, the all clear.
1: Okay. I, I don't like this game from a fantasy standpoint. I think this is a, uh, I mean, the overrunner's 39 and a half, and that sounds about right to me.
2: I am actually surprised. I know it's a road game for Carolina. I'm surprised they're only favored by
1: five. Yeah. I mean, the jets have been frisky at home. They've been okay. So, I mean, they're not, the jets are not terrible. They're probably slightly below average. And I think, I mean, think about the way they played the Falcons at home a couple weeks ago. You know, we we could be in a similar spot here. Yeah. And I paid the Panthers defense. I know they, they beat up on the Dolphins. I'm sorry. The Panthers offense is uh, eh, I don't know about this, especially with you know the speed that they brought in not working. You know Samuel got hurt. I wonder if if this uh, I I don't think this offense is going to score a ton. I think it's a twenty to twenty four at most kind of deal.
2: I I could see Carolina's offensive ceiling being capped a little bit, but I think they're going to win a little bit more convincingly. I think it'd be more like. You know, twenty four ten or something like that. Twenty four thirteen. I think the Jets are going to have some trouble moving the ball against them.
1: Okay. Um, Bears Eagles Eagles twenty six or more in nine of their last ten, averaging th- almost thirty nine points in their last four. They are home against the Bears, favored by thirteen and a half. Implied point total of twenty eight point seven five. Are the Eagles going to put up another huge number?
2: yeah probably I mean I think when you look at the, the Bears they're pesky at times but the Brett Hundley loss at home will forever stick in my mind when I think about the Bears and what they're truly capable of they just as I can hang around where you don't expect them to when they go on the road I think that's when you really think they're going to completely fall apart the Eagles look unstoppable right now uh is there anybody at all that you like on the Bears side I mean Jordan Howard, to me, is the kind of guy that volume is always good, so you, you, don't, you don't bench him in season long, but I'm tempering expectations quite a bit because the Eagles have been uh, good against the run on a per-carry basis, 3.7 yards per carry this season, and just four rushing scores allowed. So it's not really a good setup for Jordan Howard, especially if you think the Eagles are going to get up on, on the Bears and uh, leave the Bears in a lot of passing situations.
1: Um, I think the only guy I would consider, and it basically, here's one, if if I needed a streaming tight end, I'd think about Shaheen. Hmm. Just because, yeah. it. If I mean, you'd have to be struggling at the position, certainly. I would, you know, the Greg Olson thing we talked about. But um, if you were struggling at tight end this week, I'm trying to think of who, I mean, if you had Jordan Reed, yeah, I don't know who, who would, no one's struggling with injury that I can see. No big guys. So, I don't know. I guess you'd have to be deep. I mean, I I, I think in DFS, I might throw a dart at Chahin just because and it might be a garbage time deal. But I don't know. It's funny. Mario wrote some nice things about him in the film room. Um, that's it, though. I See, here's the thing. There's a lot of big spreads this week. There's four double digit point spreads.
2: It's, I'm, I'm looking at my, my Yahoo Pick'em contest. I mean, we've got kind of a staff Pick'em thing going on. And for the second week in a row, I am... Loaded with favorites. I'm, yeah. I'm giving up the points pretty much across the board this week. I think the, the two underdogs I actually like Tampa Bay getting like 10, 10 and a half, depending on where you look, and then Houston on Monday night at Baltimore. And I'm not even feeling that good about the Houston one because Baltimore's defense has been pretty nasty. So I, I may even switch that. So I may only have one underdog going into this week. It's it's, it's bizarre because usually, you know, I want the points and I want the, the close game, but I. I don't see it. I think some of the bad teams right now are just really bad.
1: Yep. I mean, you've got four games, double digits and four more between seven and 10. That's, that's, that's some big spreads. Um, uh, yeah. Eagles, the one other Eagles question after last week with, with the way the snaps broke down, I mean, Ajay played or the week before, I guess it was, was it last week they played? I don't remember. Um, after the last game, when Ajayi had the big run, but snap wise was clearly second fiddle to Blunt. If you own a Jay, I have a Jay in one league, and he I, he, I, he scares the crap out of me. Like I don't know what to do. I, I'm starting him, but I hate that I'm starting him.
2: What are your alternatives to start in his
1: place right now, Frank Gore? I'd play a Yeah. Right. It's I mean, because Gore, I look at Gore and I go, I know the volumes there, but I'm going to I'm probably going to get 14 for 50. And the odds that I get a touchdown are probably, you know, f- 30 to 40 percent.
2: Yeah. You looking at the Eagles backfield and, and, and I know they use their backs a little differently than New England does, of course, because they don't have as many of them lining up running routes as receivers. But from a fantasy perspective and the usage and the number of, of players they get involved Is there a parallel for you between the Eagles and Pats and how you feel about owning any of the running backs in
1: those backfields? Somewhat, yeah, because once you get beyond the two-man committee, it's an issue. I mean, with the Pats, I feel like I get the roles now. And White, even as a pass catcher, doesn't have enough of a role for me to play. But the other two I can live with. Burkhead more in a PPR league. But the, yeah, the Eagles, I don't know. Actually, it is because the, the PPR thing is it matters and the pass catching thing matters because I look at Clement and I go, I don't know. Unless I think the game's going to be a, low, a blowout, I don't know if I want to play him because there's three guys and I think he's probably the third guy.
2: Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too, is like if they get a big, they don't want to lean heavily on a Jai or Blunt necessarily because those are important players for them later. I mean – the advantage of, of rotating three or four backs is that you keep everybody fresh for the later part of the year for a playoff run. Uh, so it certainly makes sense to do it the way Doug Peterson's done it. I just – I have a hard time believing that we're not going to get to a point where they consolidate just a little bit. Maybe that's you know week 15, week 16. Maybe it's the beginning of the playoffs. I don't know when they're going to do it, but I don't know if they're going to keep mixing and matching personnel quite that much. I was wrong about it last week. I'm willing to continue looking at that situation thinking that things may become a little clearer as we get closer to championship week.
1: All right. Um, two bits of news that, uh, I'm looking at on Roto-Wire, Cutler expected to be lifted from the concussion protocol, and Devontae Freeman, no contact in practice on Friday. If you own Tevin Coleman, be ready to roll. Um, Fan duel is fantasy football for everyday fans. New contest starting every week with no busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. And if you're like me and you didn't cash on Thursday's game, you just run right back in with a different lineup for Sunday. So it works out great. Um, yeah, I didn't do well yesterday. There, um, I, I did the, the, Vernon Davis was the, just the, I mean, yes, so chalky, I know. But he was a killer. I mean, I had Keenan Allen and it just didn't matter. So I was bummed. Very total, bummed.
2: Total, total punch in the face. Yes. From,
1: from Vernon Davis. It was so just ridiculous that that happened. Um, otherwise here, I'm looking on FanDuel for Sunday. Alex Smith, 7,600. We've talked before about how the quarterback salaries are not, um crazy i think i'd be shorting the saints i got to say the saints running backs are fourth and fifth in the salary list and i i don't want anything to do with those guys
2: is that because of your opinion of how good the rams run defense is cuz that's that's one of the continuous surprises for me 4.5 yards per carry 10 rushing scores allowed by the rams and it just seems like the saints want to run the ball right now so I wonder if people are looking at it the way you are or if you are actually the outlier with regard to how you want to handle the Saints this
1: week. I understand logically that the Rams have been given up four and a half yards to carry and that the over under here is 54 and people think they're going to score. I, I see these as two teams with two solid defenses that are going to hold each other down more than people, more than the Vegas seems to think they will.
2: OK. All right. That's, that's a, hey, I, I like it as a, a bold take. <laughs> um, i I don't see I don't see as much of a, a concern with them I mean the price is high enough where yeah you can look at Kareem hunt and say well hunt gets the role that Ingram and Kamara try to share although the Saints just run it so much more than they have in the past that it's like having enough for two backs to go around every week is part of their plan now uh, but Kareem hunt being 7700 that's gonna draw attention away from the Saints what are people doing with christian McCaffrey right now 6700. I mean that's a pretty fair price for a guy that should continue to catch a lot of passes and has had back-to-back games now uh, where he's been right around 18 points on Fanduel.
1: yeah but it hit, I mean, we're in half ppr here and he was f- five rushes for 23 last game or Like that basically we've seen the one really good rushing game from him
2: when when everybody was running it on the dolphins too
1: yeah so i i do not want this case this one um Mixon's kind of cheap. only oh, 6,200. Not cheap, but not bad. Um, Devontae Booker at 5,500, I think, is where I might go in in a tournament. I think I would like that.
2: Yeah, I think the the way that things are breaking down, it looks like Jamal Charles is really being phased out. So I think there's a pretty good case for Booker as a GPP-only sort of consideration. Uh, you know, I keep looking at James White as the, the cheap New England player you can get. Right. I just like him so much more in a full PPR scenario than a half PPR because that's where he's going to make uh, make value is just catching a lot of passes. So I probably don't play white on FanDuel this week. Uh, I'm looking for some cheaper running backs. There's not much under 5000 like for as far as your ultimately like cheapest lottery tickets. I think the player that's going to be very heavily owned once we get more clarity on Devontae Freeman is Tevin Coleman. At that 6200 price tag, his ownership rate is going to be through the roof if Freeman gets ruled
1: out. Yes, I agree with you. All right, uh, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today, FanDuel.com slash RW. You will get a free six-month to wire subscription plus free entry into the NFL Sunday Million where you can face off against me and probably win, which offers more than a million dollars in cash prizes, and that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Thanks, FanDuel, and good luck, everybody, when you go in there and play. Uh, Seahawks Niners, uh, still no Garoppolo. (laughs) I get, I I understand it. I've gotten over it and I understand it. They don't want to, they, they want him to be in a position to succeed and not to maybe get killed. Um, Any interest in the way the Seahawks backfield is breaking down. Rawls was a healthy scratch Monday, right? Yeah, he was. So, and Lacey is worthless. So McKissick, any interest, he got 12 touches. I know he's more of a PPR guy. He's, I mean, he's, he's the best back they have pretty clearly right now.
2: Yeah. And he's the back that per carry has been somewhat good when the rest of their backs really haven't been, uh, aside from the guys on IR. I mean, Chris Carson looked pretty good. I, I saw a note on the site though. Chris Carson could make it back in December. He could be one of the players that gets brought back from IR. So, if you're in a situation where you have one of those bench spots, it's been kind of a what could go right spot. Chris Carson maybe comes back in the fantasy playoffs and contributes. I mean, you look at the matchups, week 15 against the Rams, 16 against Dallas. Maybe the kind of guy that you stash away, it's risky, but stranger things have happened.
1: It's strange, it's Yes, that's true. Um, otherwise, Niners, there's nobody. And Marquise Goodwin, there's no I mean, I know the Seahawks are weaker. I mean, Hyde. I'm I'm happy to play. I mean, you're going to play him if you have him, certainly. But yeah, I, I, I'm i fine with hiding this spot. I think it's – I mean, I'm not – has it normally you look at the Seahawks defense and you kind of get scared, and I'm going, eh, no, nah, I'm good with him at home against the Seahawks.
2: How chalky do you expect Jimmy Graham to be this week at 7,000?
1: Um, pretty darn chalky if I had to guess. He's the fourth-salary tight end. It's Gronk, Ertz, Kelsey, and then Graham. So, yeah. He's going to be on quite a bit as long as he's healthy. He didn't practice Wednesday? Is that where we are?
2: I think that's pretty normal. It's an ankle injury for him right now. But Jimmy Graham gets a lot of maintenance days in in practice throughout the week anyway. Usually it's because of his knee. So the the target volume has been good. I know a lot of his value this year has just come from a high TD rate. He's got five in the last four games and seven in the last uh, six games. So eleven, nine, and 8 Last three games, target wise, for Jimmy Graham. If he keeps seeing that many targets, Seahawks may have to throw a lot more for most weeks. This might not be one of those weeks where volume is necessarily high. They may just be trying to run it with their mediocre running backs throughout uh, the second half or something. But Graham at 7,000, you know, I, I don't see a strong case to fading him. Uh, Gronk's a little banged up. He's supposed to go from, you know, what it looks like right now anyway. Uh, so it, it looks like good chalk in the case of Jimmy Graham.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um Saints Rams, we talked about the running backs the other the other thing about this this game maybe being a less of a shootout than than the over under would suggest with Robert Woods out for the Rams you know so bas- basically one of their big receiving targets down does it make it, if you think this is going to be a high scoring game and Robert Woods is out, are you thinking hard about Sammy Watkins?
2: Yeah, because I think the target volume could go up, but I, I still wonder how much of his lack of targets comes from difficult matchups against top corners. And Marshawn Lattimore has been one of those guys this year. And if Jared Goff has been staying away from walk-ins and tough matchups, then it's going to be someone else. Maybe it's Cooper Cup. Maybe it's the tight ends this week who he ends up leaning on more heavily. And you know, For as much success as the Rams have had this year, other than Todd Gurley, I still don't find myself leaning very heavily on their players from like a DFS perspective, especially.
1: All right. Um, I have, I mean, Gurley's been just so solid, but you know, I know what you're saying. Um, All right. Otherwise in this game, I mean, Michael Thomas is always good. Breeze, you're fine. I mean, basically if you think you, if you think this is going to be a high score and you're, you're going fine with both quarterbacks, you're fine. You mentioned Breeze earlier, right? I mean, you're, like I said, I'm, I'm not there, but I would suspect you are like most people.
2: I like Breeze a lot more at home than on the road, and uh, I mean he. I'm, I kind of look at that Buffalo game in Week Ten uh, as one of the the games that gives me some pause. I mean, this year he's been generally pretty good away from the dome, so it's more about the volume you expect him to get. If you think the Rams can put up a lot of points, if you think the the Vegas over under is right, then you can play Breeze. If like John, you think it's a little bit too high, then It's probably more of a defensive battle, probably a little more running back centric. I don't think I'm going to have Breeze in DFS this week. I don't think I'd stay away from him in season long. But in DFS, I don't want to pay the premium for him.
1: Okay. Um, Jags Cardinals. Do the Jags stumble here?
2: I don't think so. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting that they get to face Blaine Gabbert. Uh, they're five-point road favorites over under a tight 38. So I think it's tied with Houston Baltimore and Cleveland Cincinnati for the lowest total of the week. <sighs> Arizona, I think if they're going to hang around in this game, they need to get another good game from Adrian Peterson. And week to week, I know he's going to get the volume. I just don't know which guy's going to show up. I think in, in tougher matchups, he's been overmatched this year. Yep. And I don't know if that's the, the offensive line, if that's his eroding skills or some combination of both, but there's some concern now, like the Rams, the Jags are a team we bring up all the time that have given up more on the ground than we'd expect.
1: So, but, but since our, the trade, since they got Darius thing, there, there was a notable, there's a line, there's a line of demarcation there that before Darius, they were, they were very permissive against the run. And since they got him. They've been very strong.
2: Yeah, so I tend to err on the side of that holding up again. If Peterson is not playing well, can Blaine Gabbert pick apart that Jags secondary? I (laughs) I just don't see that happening. I think a lot of what Gabbert did last week uh, is just based on how soft Houston has become against the pass this
1: year. Okay, so if you believe that the Jags will win, I had this conversation with Tim on Wednesday. Then you were looking... You are pr- very likely looking at 12 wins for the Jaguars, which is amazing. I, I mean, really is. the next three Indy at home. Yep. Seahawks at home. Sure. Probably fine. You, I mean, mm-hmm. not a gimme certainly, but th- that's a very winnable game. Texans at home. Yep. At San Francisco. Yep. And then you're at Tennessee in week 17.
2: Yep, schedule lines are nice. I think they're going to lose that game to Seattle at home uh, in a few weeks, but uh, ultimately they should be fine here. And uh, it could be one of those days where the the running backs all just chop the production of the carries in a way where even Leonard Fournette doesn't get you where you want to go from a, a DFS perspective. Got the ankle injury; said it's going to be a problem all year. And yeah, the workloads you know haven't really. Capered off much? Forty-five carries these last two games, and he he did work against Cleveland. uh, But I'm still a little bit hesitant to rely on him because you just never know when that ankle is going to get worse, and they're going to have to back off him.
1: Right. Well, fortunately, he, uh, um, except for the week seventeen, he doesn't have any cold weather games coming. So that's nice. That is that is pretty nice because he's so. (laughs) I loved his quotes last week. I loved it. Like I hate the cold. I hate it. I never want to play in it. No way. At least he's honest about it. Broncos Raiders. Uh, The Raiders have a completely atrocious, disgusting defense, particularly against opposing fantasy quarterbacks. And they're facing Paxton Lynch. Now, if you are looking, as I've said earlier this week, if you are looking for a reason to start an under-the-radar quarterback there's there's a there's a there's a logical narrative here to argue for Paxton Lynch, but realistically, could we argue for should we argue for Paxton Lynch?
2: I don't want to make the argument, even though I agree with you. I mean, looking at the Oakland defense, they're generally bad and, and can be picked on. Emmanuel Sanders looks like he's going to be okay. He's got an ankle injury, so you know he's going to have Thomas and Sanders out there. Got to change an offensive coordinator. Can Paxton Lynch get you 225 and a TD? Probably. Can he get you much more than that? I don't want to be the guy that has to put chips on it.
1: Okay. All right. And a big, I mean, again, big GPP, blah, blah, blah. You could do a lot of things. Um, We talked about Devontae Booker. That's fine. Um, Raiders side. Is the Broncos D just, I mean, how differently are you looking at them? against opposing passing games.
2: I mean, I really used to fear the matchup, and it's not that they've become bad like yardage-wise. They're, what, 6.7 yards per attempt, so they're still thinking the, the top 10 in terms of how good they've been against the pass from a yardage standpoint. It's the TDs that are surprising. 22 passing touchdowns mm-hmm. allowed by the Broncos, so it seems like teams have no problem throwing on them uh, you know, in the red zone in particular, I think that's tied for the league. lead. Only five picks too. So they're just not getting the takeaways you'd expect. Uh, I think when they go up against a guy like a Derek Carr, you know, at least the top 10, top 12 type quarterback, you don't have to fear the matchups in that range. The way you used to it used to kind of be, I'll use quarterbacks against Denver when Denver's on the road and the quarterback is elite. I think the thresholds have changed quite a bit.
1: Is there a, the usual argument. I don't know the answer to this. The, the that, that narrative that people like to use about the the backup quarterback with the with the receiver he's been throwing to on the second team in practice, is there a fit here? Is there somebody who's one of the tight ends do we think? I, I I I I'm sorry I don't have a good answer for this. I
2: think it's more situationally dependent where you kind of look at what they've got. I mean Austin Trailer, former former Wisconsin tight end, is now a guy that plays a lot for them. I don't really want to to use him like GPPs or two tight end leagues or anything like that. I mean, Benny Fowler is the kind of guy that I guess could flash up and do something, but I, I don't, I don't like it enough to, to try and play it out. I mean, I think if I'm playing a Denver receiver, Emmanuel Sanders has been so cheap on DFS sites. He's the guy that I keep kind of getting pulled in by in the Denver offense. So if you want to go at Oakland secondary, you don't want to go Paxton Lynch. I, I totally understand that. Emmanuel Sanders is a guy that just gets separation, it seems like, in a lot of matchups. Can do a lot after the catch as well. He's only 6,300 on FanDuel. I think that's the best way to get some exposure to this matchup.
1: All right, folks, I want to tell you right now, I have, because of the discussion we had about FanDuel, I have my FanDuel Sunday Million lineup opened. Paxton Lynch is in it. Oh, no. You know what? Be bold, right? I mean, there's a billion people in this thing. Playing, playing. Uh, Tom Brady's not going to get me a lot of places necessarily. So,
2: I, yeah, there's there's still a lot for me to kind of hash out with with tournament logic. I know a lot of people have done the research on it, and I, I think when you when you build a tournament lineup, it's easy to see the weeks where somebody has the stack that nobody had. Lynch certainly would fit that description this week. And maybe it's a Lynch, Thomas and Sanders stack, or maybe it's Lynch and Sanders because you think it's all going through Sanders. And then, you know, you hit on a few other things, too. It's not just having the quarterback receiver combination that's unique. It's finding two other things that are under owned for various reasons. Sometimes that's a star player that people are fading and you just say, you know what, this is this is a better spot than people realize or star players produce all the time because their volume is so good and the setups are so good. I'm going to go ahead and, and roll somebody out there that everybody's staying away from. And this week, I don't know, is Antonio Brown the kind of guy that people are staying away from for fear of a blowout? Probably not. But where, where do you see a top end player getting overlooked with so many blowouts potentially on the slate? Because that, that's the other wrinkle that you have to get right. It's not just the odd thing like a Paxton Lynch. It's, Oh, but I used that money on a guy that nobody else wanted who's really expensive
1: um Cam Newton is a guy like that because i th- because the the over under in the jet in that game against the jets is is low, so I think cam would be faded
2: all right, so a faded cam are people down on Julio right now i mean like maybe maybe that's part of it too it, it's It's also just like finding. Extra stuff that goes right that ordinarily would be obvious, but then people are just generally fading. Yeah, I, I think that's that's there's some skill to figuring that out, like to saying, you know what? Everybody else is really worried about this situation. And yeah, I understand why, but they're giving me an advantage because the masses are so convinced that this is a bad spot.
1: Right. Yeah, that that is a that is a skill that I don't necessarily have. So, um, if you got any suggestions, send send us tweets at Derek Van Riper at Jay thirty seven. Packers Steelers uh, as of right now. I know Juju didn't practice Wednesday, or Thursday. I have not seen Friday yet for Juju Smith Schuster. But if you're thinking about starting him, make sure that um, his injury situation looks okay before you start him on Sunday night. Um, the Packers are, are okay. The implied point total for the Packers is fourteen point seven five. Derek, is are you going over or under?
2: I'll take the under because I think Pittsburgh at home with that defense will get lots of pressure. They'll force turnovers. They can maybe take away a Devontae Adams and everything just seems broken with Green Bay's offense right now. Uh, I think it goes beyond Hundley as far as their problems are concerned. I don't like anything going right now. If I had to play a Packer, I would take the chance on Adams because he's been Hundley's favorite weapon and because I think the Steelers are going to be playing with a big lead, leaving Hundley to have to throw it a lot, but... I don't. I don't feel good about it.
1: Right. Okay. Um, Steelers, you're rolling everyone. I mean, Bell. Uh, you know, you, you think they're more susceptible to the pass than the run. So Rafflesberger and Brown doesn't sound like a half bad idea.
2: Right. So again, kind of going back to our tournament logic, maybe that means Le'Veon Bell is is somewhat uh, underappreciated. But I, I think most people are going to be on Bell because they see the big point spread, yep. they see the heavy volume. So yeah, maybe maybe the, maybe the Ben. The Ben Brown stack is actually the sneakier GPP stack because then you're not dealing with Paxton Lynch. You know, you're, you're taking a player who's in a great spot. Green Bay's secondary continues to get picked apart. And for whatever reason, people are just overthinking it and they they don't use Roethlisberger
1: as much as they should. All right. Um, other around next game, Texans Ravens Monday night. So the Ravens have three shutouts this year, and this would appear to be a candidate for number four, um, even though Savage was not bad last week. Um, it, I benched in one league yesterday, I benched Marvin Jones, and instead I flexed Alex Collins. I don't feel terrible. I mean, obviously, I would take Marvin Jones points right now if I could. But I don't feel so bad because I think this potential route makes Alex Collins look like a, sh- a strong play, even with the Texans' pretty solid run defense. What do you think of Alex Collins looking toward this one?
2: If you can score, you're going to be okay with your process. I just don't see Alex Collins outdoing what Marvin Jones did because of the two TDs. Like, right. That's the that's the issue. But <laughs> if if Collins gets you 80 yards and a touchdown. That's probably higher than your baseline expectation was for Marvin Jones. So while your outcome was wrong, your process may have been reasonable. And at that point, you're like, all right, well, you know, I would have been happier with Jones. But at least at least what I thought I saw in Collins came through.
1: Right. Okay, Um, I agree. And yeah, I don't think he's going to outperform Marvin Jones. Um, This game. All right. Over under 38. The spread is seven. That seems low. Doesn't it?
2: Yeah. I, after further consideration, have decided to uh, definitely back Baltimore in my spread pace thing, which everyone really cares about. I worry about Savage in this spot in particular, because I, the more I think about Baltimore's defense, they just, they've looked dominant against some pretty weak offenses. And I think that's kind of what Houston is uh, as they've been more and more banged up. I mean, Deontay Foreman, I think when we talked on Monday, we didn't realize his injury was as serious as it is. Maybe yeah. that was just something we kind of overlooked, but that's going to be a big deal for them. It's going to put more on Lamar Miller, and I, I just think it runs, they run the risk of breaking Miller down the stretch if they run him too much. I think there's a lot that can go wrong
1: for Houston in this spot. Um, if this is a blowout, does it make you like DeAndre Hopkins more? I mean, he's one of those guys, if you have him, you're starting him, but you don't love because of the matchup. But I mean, he, the volume is just hard to look away from. And if there is garbage time, he's going to he's going to look pretty nice. Yeah. I mean,
2: I think it could be a really uh, interesting volume setup for him. I think efficiency could be kind of brutal. It could be all those games where it's like 18 targets, catches 10 of them and has 77 yards or something. Like It's just, you know, ugly per target numbers, but PPR numbers that you're OK with.
1: Right. OK. Hey, that wraps it, everybody. Listeners to this podcast, get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. All right, Derek, we're wrapping this up a little after noon Eastern on Friday. Um, What should people be looking for us over the next 48 hours when we're going to have kickoff for the rest of week 12?
2: Check out the updated rankings from Jeff. Check out Mario's film review. The DFS tools will continue to be op- optimized and updated going into the weekend. So, yeah, look at the value
1: reports, the optimizers, uh, the articles. Lots of good stuff to get you ready for this week. All right. That's it, folks. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you for the reviews and the ratings. We always like to say that and keep them coming. They, they really help us. Um, and that's it. This is the Black Friday edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Our next episode is going to be coming on Monday, so please check back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Thanks a lot and good luck in week 12.